The following programming is sponsored by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positively Pro-Life, a podcast brought to you by the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. Positively Pro-Life brings you inspirational stories, important legislative updates, and informative interviews as we restore and strengthen a culture of life. I'm Bonnie Finnerty, Education Director at the Federation, and I am joined by my distinguished colleague, Maria Gallagher, the Legislative Director. Hello, Maria. Hello, Bonnie. It's great to be with you today. Great to be with you. I think everyone would agree that the goal of the pro-life movement is to protect vulnerable human life, especially life that's threatened by the violence of abortion. And to that end, we've seen a rise in pregnancy resource centers that provide life-affirming support to women. And we've seen an increase in people praying and counseling outside of abortion centers. And we've seen a rise in mobile ultrasound units providing a peak at precious new life. But all of those endeavors involve interaction after a baby has already been conceived. What if we can reduce abortion on the front end? that is educating young people in such a way that will reduce the likelihood of an unplanned pregnancy. Well, our guest today is doing just that. Leslie Moyer is the Director of Educational Programs for Morningstar Clinics right here in Central Pennsylvania. She will tell us all about bringing a sexual risk avoidance program into schools and how students respond to this proactive education. In addition, for our legislative update this week, Maria will report on Pennsylvania abortion law. First, however, I wanna share a truly inspirational story that was published by Life News this week. The story is written by Micaiah Bilger, who writes for Life News, and who we proudly claim as a former education director at the Federation. In this story, she tells how the Texas abortion ban impacted one young woman who sought an abortion. Micaiah's writing is stellar. And so because of that reason, I'm going to read exactly from her piece. The title of the article is Texas teen who wanted abortion now blessed with twin babies, a miracle from the Lord. When Brooke Alexander looks at her twin daughters, she realizes that Kendall and Olivia might not be alive without the Texas heartbeat law. The 18-year-old from Corpus Christi, Christi, Texas, wanted an abortion, but the pro-life law stopped her from getting one, according to the Washington Post. Now, despite her struggles with finances, relationships, and future plans, Alexander is thankful for her baby girls. It's really scary thinking that I wouldn't have them, she told the newspaper as baby Olivia grasped her finger. According to the report, Alexander discovered she was pregnant on August 29th, 2021, two days before the Texas heartbeat law went into effect. The law prohibits abortions once an unborn baby's heartbeat is detectable, about six weeks of pregnancy and was the first early abortion ban allowed to go into effect in nearly 50 years in the United States. Texas pro-life leaders estimate the law has saved more than 17,000 unborn babies from abortion since September, and they have been expanding support services to help mothers and babies like Alexander and her twins. 
Alexander said she initially wanted an abortion. She and her boyfriend, Billy High, had been together for only three months, and her relationship with her parents was difficult. High told her he would prefer if she had an abortion, too, because he did not want to give up, quote, the freedom of being a teenager, end quote, according to the report. When Alexander called to schedule an abortion, she said the receptionist told her that they did not have any more appointments and gave her several addresses of abortion facilities in New Mexico. Meanwhile, a friend of her mother's told her about a local pro-life pregnancy resource center, Pregnancy Center of the Coastal Bend, where she could have a free ultrasound and counseling about her options. According to the report, here is what happened. As the ultrasound technician pressed the probe into her stomach, which was slathered with gel, Brooke willed the screen to show a fetus without a heartbeat. Instead, the technician gasped. It was twins and they were 12 weeks along. Are you sure, Brooke asked. Oh my God, oh my God, her mother Terry recalled saying as she jumped up and down, this is a miracle from the Lord. We are having these babies. After seeing her unborn daughters and watching her hearts, their hearts beat, Alexander chose life. Now her life has not been easy since then. She said she had to quit her job as a waitress and real estate school because she was so exhausted and sick during her pregnancy. Her relationship with her mother has also been strained and she often does feel like people judge her for being a young mother, according to the report. But she has experienced joys too announcing their baby's gender to family and friends, experiencing that special mother-child bond with her girls, and getting married. I'm so happy I met you, Billy, she wrote on Instagram when she announced her pregnancy. Starting a family with you is going to be one of the hardest things I'm ever going to experience, but I'm glad I get to do it with you. Alexander and Hai had a small wedding ceremony shortly after their daughters were born, and he enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, the newspaper reports. Her views about abortion have also become more complex and contradictory. She told the newspaper, looking at her daughters, Brooke struggled to articulate her feelings on abortion. On one hand, she said she absolutely believed that women should have the right to choose what's best for their own lives. On the other hand, she knew that without the Texas law, her babies might not be here. Who's to say what I would have done if the law wasn't in effect, she said. I don't want to think about it. Though she feels like she has lost her freedom in some ways, she said she also loves her daughters and being a mother feels natural to her. Knowing that she is the one who can best soothe them and understand their needs makes the sleepless nights and financial struggles more bearable. So that article just goes to show that laws can save lives and this young woman, Brooke, and, and all of them in her situation deserve to be commended and they deserve our support and our encouragement. Maria? Thank you so much, Bonnie. The Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act was passed in 1989, but held up by court injunction until May, 1994. Here is a summary of the provisions of the state law which were upheld by the US Supreme Court in Planned Parenthood versus Casey and which remain the law of the state today. Abortion for unemancipated minors requires the consent of at least one parent prior to abortion, unless a judge rules the minor is competent to make the decision herself. Women are provided a right to know for informed consent. 24 hours prior to an abortion, 
the abortionist must offer the woman information about the gestation of her baby, the development of the preborn child, the physical dangers of abortion for her health, and alternatives available to her, including financial assistance if she bears the child. The mother is allowed under the law to refuse any or all of this information, but the law requires the abortionist to make it available. The woman then must take 24 hours to reflect on her decision before the abortion can be done. Abortion is legal for any reason by any means during the first six months of pregnancy, but in the last trimester of pregnancy, abortion is restricted only to cases when the life of the mother is seriously threatened or when pregnancy would result in irreversible impairment of a major bodily function. In 2011, Pennsylvania lawmakers passed a set of new abortion center regulations known as Act 122. Written in response to the horrific conditions found inside a West Philadelphia abortion center run by Kermit Gosnell, Act 122 requires that abortion facilities be licensed as outpatient surgical centers and subject to regular inspections. The act went into effect in June 2012. Prior to Act 122, hair and nail salons in Pennsylvania were subject to greater scrutiny than abortion centers. Bonnie. Thank you so much, Maria. Well, I am very pleased to introduce today's guest who's certainly making a difference in our community. Our guest today is Leslie Moyer, Director of Educational Programs for Morningstar Clinics, a pregnancy medical clinic with three different locations in central Pennsylvania. Leslie holds a master's degree in educational counseling from Millersville, Millersville University and a bachelor's in criminal justice from Temple University. She is a credentialed sexual risk avoidance specialist through ASCEND and certified as a real essentials instructor. Leslie has served as a counselor at Morningstar for over 17 years. And this includes facilitating their sexual risk avoidance school program, unfiltered truth, and their fertility awareness workshops. While we often think of pregnancy resource centers as a place where women can be given life-affirming support and resources after they've conceived a child, more and more we are seeing places like Morningstar provide proactive education to young people, thereby reducing abortion on the front end. So we are very honored to have Leslie set aside some of her very valuable time to join us today on Positively Pro-Life. Welcome, Leslie. Hello, everyone. Hello, Leslie. Leslie, can you describe Morningstar's history with teaching relationship skills in high schools? Yeah, I think, you know, before I came to Morningstar in 2005, they were going into high schools and talking about pretty much a pro-life talk. Um, which is certainly essential and, you know, a benefit. But I, after about a year of counseling here, I started to realize women and men really don't understand like the keys to a healthy relationship. They don't understand, you know, they, they were confusing a physical relationship with a truly loving one. So I put together something from, you know, really it was just a talk from some of the things that were already out in our culture uh, to speak to youth. They were typically called abstinence education programs. And uh, mine was kind of half a uh, healthy relationship and half sexual risk. It was soon after that that I started realizing one time was not enough that I was really encouraging teachers to let me in more than, more than once. So that's how now, it began, about 2006. 
What lessons are involved in teaching a relationship skills curriculum? So you mentioned that I use the Real Essentials curriculum. It's out of um, Colorado. It's an excellent program and they include things like self-discovery lessons. So, you know, many people know what love languages are. So we teach love languages and personality profile. Um, we move into, you know, there's some self-esteem lessons there. Then they move quickly into dating skills and um, understanding what a good marriage is. We talk about red flags in a relationship and also breakup skills. So effective communication is one of the most, one of the ones that the students tell me is one of their favorites, that and red, and red flags. Um, social media, refusal skills, I could go on. There's a, there's a whole lot, but it is a really, it is a really, um, just it, it's a great program it really is complete and the more i can get into the schools the more i can you know offer it right now i encourage teachers to let me speak six times sometimes it's only three but at least it's more than the two i was originally doing so where does this program fit into a high school curriculum you know um, in public schools they typically get me they schedule me in their health class or consumer sciences it's interesting, but in private schools or Catholic schools, they often have me in the religion classes. Um, I'm right now, for the past couple of years, actually been encouraging the private schools to let me also into their health classes. Then I can do sexual risk there and keep the other things in the religion. But but that's just how it, you know, how it works. So Leslie, what lessons have students been most engaged in? So I mentioned the communication, you know, effective communication and conflict resolution. Those have been their favorites. Red flags have always been one that comes to the top. We, we survey our students and we can see which ones they like, which ones they don't like. Um, frankly, there aren't many that they don't like, but there are some that are more meaningful. Sexual risk always comes up, especially in schools that don't have a class that really talks about, you know, completely like unfiltered, you know, that's why I call it unfiltered truth, because I'm going to give them all of the truth and get them to understand, you know, so maybe you're thinking or your health teacher has said, um, you know, make sure that you're using some kind of, you know, safe sex. Um, and I'm clear about what the CDC says. That is not the way to really uh, help you have the, the best, most loving relationship. And it's not even they're not even always honest with how well those work. So, um, so those are the ones that, that the kids seem to like the most. And, and it's so interesting that we live in a world where we pride ourselves on so much communication and so much information is available on the internet. And you would think everybody be, would be so well informed, but you know, there's a lot of noise in our world. So sometimes it's really hard for young people to get to the truth. Uh, it is, yeah. And actually, when we talk in the social media lessons, I do those in middle school and in high school. The kids admit that, that they may have lots of friends on social media, but they really don't have good conversations. I mean, we talk about the basics like using iMessages and, you know, how you how you argue well, how you can really, um, you know, get your get the person that you're talking to to really understand. And actually, the goal of good communication is understanding to be heard and to be understood. And that they think it's just to solve the problem or just to get my point under, you know, uh, uh, to get the person to agree with me. Uh, yeah, so we, this this less, this um, series of lessons, I can't say enough good about. I was, I was trained in Real Essentials about five years ago and it has really taken what I was doing up to a, the next level. So 
really good level. Well, what would you say, which lessons are the most challenging for students? Hmm. Um, so I was thinking about this. The most challenging, I think, is when I talk about the foundations of a healthy relationship. So this is the one where I we clearly build a relationship and they are very interactive. All of these are very interactive lessons. And it gets to the point where, OK, this they're in a relationship that is now trusting. Um, they're sharing goals with each other. And at the next step is marriage. And of course, sex is after that. So they look at that and I hear a laugh. You know, I hear people kind of snickering. And then I say, so where does your culture places? Where does sex come in? And they mention all the way at the bottom when we first start talking. Um, so I said, how's that working? <laughs> like, how, we see that in Hollywood. Yeah. How does it work? Do those relationships usually last? And then we get into some really good discussions. I have great, I put them in small groups at that point. And we talk about, okay, so this is, yeah, where the culture has it, but where is it really going to flourish? Where is it? Is this relationship really going to understand more about each other? So I would say the foundations of a healthy relationship, also the sexual risk lessons, because, you know, in that I'm really debunking what they're hearing in the culture. Just be safe. Don't, you know, yeah, just just use a condom. Just use this. What they're what they know is that, for one thing, those things don't work perfectly. Um, I've had kids on surveys actually say, I'm glad you talked about how well and how ineffective condoms are, because in, in the very first time I taught this was at a, um, a Harrisburg school and um, the girl said, I just placed a baby, my baby um, for adoption the week before and I got pregnant with a condom. So, you know, I'm very clear about that, but really the whole point is if you want a good, healthy relationship, then you need to learn more about this person. You need to spend a lot of time in communication and you need to commit. When we talk about 100% commitment, I ask them, and what does that look like? And kids, no matter what school I'm in, even the most at-risk schools will say, that looks like marriage. But then they might add to that, but I don't know anyone who has a good marriage. So then we need to talk about that. I encourage teachers, if they're in a good marriage, to talk to the kids about that, just to just in general conversation to talk about their marriage. So kids see that because some of them have never seen a relationship that's been committed and has worked. So, or that looks like it was committed. So yeah, those, those are the most difficult. Um, yeah, they need to understand that fidelity to one person is, is how um, relationships work best. So. Leslie, do you have any evidence that your program has an effect on students' mindset about sexual activity before commitment? We do. So we started using surveys, I would say it was even like two years into teaching. So now I use a you know survey monkey, which is a lot easier for them and I get more participation. But um, everyone gets surveyed after the after the classes are over. And um, of those that were surveyed, 68% moved away from, so one of the first questions I ask after some of the initial things um, is, you know, what did you think about sex before marriage, before this class? And 68% um, moved from wait until marriage before the class. Um, they moved, 68% moved up to um, after the class. So they really, it really changes their mind. It gets them to really think. And another statistic that, that, is, that comes out of that is for those who said 
that you know reported that they were not planning to wait before the class that they moved up 50% afterwards saying okay you know now i am planning to wait now that doesn't say are they waiting it doesn't give enough information are they waiting just till after school after they graduate or is the waiting to marriage but at least they are waiting they are cons we, we've got them thinking um, the survey has about 16 questions so i have a lot of other you know things to report out of that too but it's positive and and i can say it was since i started using real essentials and mostly since I've started being in there more than just two times, you know, the average right now is that I get to see a class four different times. Some of the schools let me do five, some of them let me even do even more than that. There's, I have 75 lessons that I can teach and um, we do, some of them I can do lessons on pornography. So um, yeah, it's, we're, we're really seeing results and I'm glad about that. <laughs> can you report on some of the comments from your students? I can, um, and, you know, in general, the kids are happy to have a place to talk about this stuff. Some of them have even said, um, in fact, one of them's just recent, this is a recent one from a 12th grader at a Catholic school in the Harrisburg area. And this was a, um, a guy, so it was a, uh, a male 18 year old. And he said, this is the first class that a teacher has told us the truth about these issues and not tried to push their own agenda. I was so glad to hear that because that means they see, because I tell them, this is not mine. This is not for me. There's a lot of evidence that, that can show you what is best in a relationship. And so that was, I was happy to hear that. We also hear things, um, you know, we don't talk about relationship skills in school. Um, and some of them have actually said, I wish that we were talking about these kind of issues, especially they specifically mentioned red flags before senior year. Let's talk about this in sophomore year. One girl said to me, um, she had said to me after the class, another one wrote something similar that she had a bad relationship when she was a sophomore and really needed this information then. So, um, so yeah, they're really, there are positive remarks. Of course, I get some negative ones too. But, um, you know, the one said that the lessons helped her realize that she was in a toxic relationship. So she was glad to, to have our, you know, our discussions and that helped her see that. Well, as a former classroom teacher, I'm wondering what sort of comments do you get from the teachers? Um, all positive so far. You know, anything that was a little, like they might have some suggestions, like give us more, um, you know, more, ex some of the experiences from the pregnancy center. They want to know more about the women that we talk to here and men, because like I said, when we start to use, um, seeing more and more men since we also do sexually transmitted um, testing or, you know, STI and STD testing. But some of the things that they've said to us um, is that the d discussions continued even after the classes were over. So for the next couple of days, they were able to continue. And many of the teachers were really happy about that. One male teacher, 11th grade said, the beauty of marriage and relationships was conveyed to them, in, you know, to the students in the, um, in the depth that they could, in a manner they could understand. Um, they said they thought the material was planned well, and they liked that there was lots of interaction and, and group work. Um, the kids are really, I think, impacted by a person like myself who still counsels here and, um, and does bring some of those. I do bring some stories in, of course, you know, names changed in years, but yeah, they like it. So how many schools in the central Pennsylvania area are scheduling an instructor from Morningstar to come in and do these programs? 
So it's more than 22 at this point, and we have some new ones that are going to be starting. I also speak at community groups. Sometimes it's youth groups. Um, there's a couple different things this summer that are planned, and they are um, like there's some leadership programs in the summer, and I'm going to be able to get into there. So um, there's still more that don't have this, so there's still opportunities. Do you also speak to middle school students, and what is that experience like? Yeah, absolutely. I love the middle school group. I really like that because they're still, they're still, they don't have a lot of formed ideas. They're still asking questions. Um, you know, in some of the at-risk schools, there are, the kids are already involved sexually. They're already experiencing um, sexual relationships. So, but when we start at the middle school, I really start with a focus on healthy friendships. You know, what is, um, a toxic friendship look like? Because if they understand friendship there, if they understand, you know, how to communicate, of course, we do that community uh, conflict resolution there also. Um, then when I see them in high school, hopefully if I see them in high school, we can really just, you know, add to that. Also positive use of social media, um, refusal skills is a big one in the middle school group. You know, Leslie, we had a guest on a few weeks ago, Monica Klein, who was a former educator for Planned Parenthood. Oh, really? So she talked all about what she used to do and how she came to believe it was so unhealthy and just violated all of her beliefs, especially as she became a mother herself. Wow. Um, so I am so glad that you are challenging. Uh, you're like the antidote to Planned Parenthood's narrative. <laughs> Um, and I commend you for these efforts and for all of your training and just the Thank wonderful you. work you're doing. Thank you so much. It's so needed in this culture. Well, I agree. And I know that, you know, kids really like the fact that I am very honest. I'm very honest, even though I've had some, you know, kickback, especially when we talk about marriage and living together, I get a lot of, you know, um, back and forth with that. But they understand that avoiding sex is um, is a difficult choice, but it's the best way to start a good relationship. It's the best. I mean, even the CDC says that, you know, um, sex is a risk factor for teens. So we should not be, we should really be doing everything we can. Our message should be, you know, how for, for if they want optimal health, then um, sex is best in a married, committed relationship. We've got just about a minute left, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm so curious because I could have used your course when I was in high school desperately. Oh, just mention a couple of red flags for our audience. So, um, you know, one of them is to if your family does not like the person and they are experiencing, they're, they're questioning the person that you're dating, you know, um, take that as a red flag, at least, you know, start discussing that, start looking at it. Um, if, you know, and there's the obvious ones, the abuse or, you know, the put downs, but there are things that people often don't think about. And that is, what do your friends think of this guy? Does this guy um, or girl, you know, um, are they always trying to keep you from hanging out with your friends? Are they, um, uh, you know, do they want you, you know, are they, are they texting you all the time? Um, you know, trust. I mean, I often tell the students and I tell my clients even, you know, um, how does this person treat their family? How do they treat their parents? Um, take that seriously. Take that as an indication of how someday, you know, they may treat you or your children. So yes, definitely. 
Yeah, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Good. This was fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. Positively Pro-Life is made possible through the generous support of the members of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation all across the Commonwealth. Thanks for joining us. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life.